Welcome to my Black Book Journal, everyone. Today I have joining me Rafiq Nabali and Joe Howe, who produced and created the new documentary, Let the Church Say. Joe and Rafiq, welcome to my Black Book Journal, where we uncover lessons in life, love, and leadership through book reviews and interviews from a Black Christian perspective. Glad to have you all on the show. Yeah, thank you so much for having us. Oh, glad to be here. Thank you. Thank you for having us. So you all, I had the privilege of seeing this new documentary at the Sidewalk Film Festival here in Birmingham, Alabama. Really enjoyed it. So I'm really glad to have them on the show. Joran Rafiq, whenever we have guests on, we like to start off by having them introduce themselves to our audience. You know, sometimes people read a long bio, but I believe in letting people introduce themselves. So Joe, we'll start with you. Then Rafiq will kick to you. Share a little bit with our audience about who you are, what you do and how you've gotten to this point in your career. Well, great. Well, thanks a lot, uh, Danny. This is a great opportunity to talk about uh, the project. Uh, but as my, my name is Joe Howell, I am a film producer, indie film producer. I'll, I'll clarify <laughs> independent films. Uh, I started out in the music business, actually, uh, as a uh, music producer and songwriter. And I did that for uh, many years. Uh, when I moved to Atlanta, Georgia, I moved uh, heavily into the film space. And that uh, included working with filmmakers, working with the industry in Georgia, the film industry in Georgia, uh, educating people about media creation and film production as part of a conference we held called the Big Picture Con. And that led allowed me to meet a lot of people in the Georgia film industry because we would bring people from New York or L.A. to Georgia. And that allowed me to um, uh, learn a little bit about how the process works. And of course, uh, we started making films. Uh, and so that got me started in the film industry in Georgia. Rafiq, what about you? Yeah. So uh, as mentioned, my name is Rafiq Nabali. Um, I'm a filmmaker. Um, got my start um, in the filmmaking e industry. I want to say like around high school, I got really interested in it. Um, but then uh, after I graduated, I actually uh, did a lot of freelance work for a long time as a videographer and photographer. Uh, I did just about everything from live streaming events, weddings, dance recitals, you name it. Um, but really felt um, called and convicted to get into more of the narrative space. Um, so I ended up going to film school, Savannah College of Art and Design. And from there, just kind of launched my filmmaking career, worked on the different sets and um, got connected with a lot of people in the industry. Um, and currently... Um, uh, obviously, I'm the writer and director of the film, Let the Church Say, but I'm also the founder of Birdie Learn, which is a content slash course creation studio that's focused on helping independent filmmakers thrive in this industry without breaking the bank. Um, I know the difficulties of, you know, getting out there and getting your films funded and getting your films seen and, and pitching them. So we're really working to build some creative content and resources for filmmakers um, to to thrive in this industry. That's dope. So you yeah. all have been doing this work for a while and really trying to create space for people to tell stories. And that's what I really enjoyed about Let the Church Say. So I want to I read the log line for our listeners, but it says, in a time of racial upheaval and a multitude of woes affecting marginalized communities, a young African-American filmmaker journeys to the heart of the Black experience to find the answer to a daunting question. Is the black church dead? And that's really what you all are wrestling with in this documentary. So I want to kind of open up and ask what led to you all asking that question, is the black church dead? 
Oh, uh, yeah. Um, I, I think I'll, I'll start there. I feel like um, the question, uh, I will go out on the first and say that the question is not originally mine. You know, I didn't coin that term. It's actually a conversation that's been happening. Um, and, and you should know as someone, you know, that's in Birmingham in the South, like it's a question that's been going around mm-hmm. for, I, I would say, at least a decade, you know. And um, so uh, I I kind of stumbled upon this throughout my research online. But I also felt called to this um, around 2020 when the film was being developed. There was a lot of racial upheaval and stuff going on in the country. And I know for myself as a black man, these questions started to come up, like, where is the church and all of this pain and all the suffering that's going on in, you know, uh, black and brown communities? And um, just really wanted to dive into the research and kind of uncover that history of the black church, you know, the areas in which we were involved in local communities and where we've fallen back some. So I really feel like the question is, not so much as like a criticism, but more so um, in like open-ended question that allows us to come together as a community and um, not only answer it, but to build a brighter future for the coming generations. And Joe, what about for you? Like what, what made you want to be a part of a project that was seeking to answer this, this longstanding question? Well, uh, it was originated by Rafiq. Uh, he is the writer of the film. I am the producer of the film Let the Church Say. And when we have known each other for a little while before we did the film, uh, we worked on a short film together before that. And uh, when he contacted me about this idea, uh, I got it right away. Uh, and I got it right away because at that time, there was a lot happening. And even till today, there's still a lot happening in our community that's relevant to why is important why it's important for our community to be uh number one tied together uh in uh in this day and age and also uh to really truly ask a question even though it has been asked and answered in the past uh because at each iteration or each generation that comes uh in our community's uh social lifestyle the question becomes relevant once again and so that's where uh, when we spoke about this idea, we initially talked about all kinds of aspects of where the church should or shouldn't be and how the church has developed over time. And so it just I got it right away. I said, oh, man, this is great. Let's let's start working on it. And uh, RJ went to work and we started to put together the pieces uh, to present and to actually start gathering the resources. So, like y'all said, this question is being been asked asked and answered before you know i feel like it's the same thing with hip-hop right it's hip-hop dead y'all remember that was going on for a long time and hip-hop celebrating his his 50-year anniversary this year but think about the black church and is the black church dead is there still relevancy for the black church um what did you come away with when you were when you were interviewing people when you were doing this research what was the conclusion to that question or did you come up with the conclusion to your question yeah, um, you know, I, I I don't want to give the whole film away, you know, so uh, I definitely want to encourage folks to watch the film um, and to find that answer. But one of the things I did come away through going through with this uh, process was just how large and complex the Black church is. I think a lot of times we look at it like it's this one monolithic institution um, and there's just 
so many different backgrounds there's so many different iterations of the church and um i i think it's 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 kind of short-sighted for us to kind of put it in a box you know when you're dealing with an institution this large but um yeah i, I mean i learned so much that i didn't know before going on this journey and i feel like um, more people will learn when they watch the film as well. Another question that you all wrestle with is, do you feel like your documentary is answering this? Is Where would the black community be without the black church? Do you, do you, do you feel like you answer that question? Like looking at the historic his, history of the black community, do you feel like you're able to answer that question where, we would be if there was never a black church. And what would that look like? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't want to take all the answers here, but um, uh, when I think about that question, um, yeah, it's, it's difficult to, to imagine where the black community would be without the black church. I'll tell you one thing, though. We, we wouldn't be, I don't think we'd be doing as well as we're doing right now. You know what I'm saying? We still got a lot of things that we're struggling with, things that we have to overcome. But one of the things that we reveal within the film is when you look at the history of Black communities, when you're talking about the years of enslavement, when individuals didn't even have, you know, the right to uh, learn how to read and write. There's so many rights and, and just basic human needs that were kept from them. You look at the civil rights movement and the need to vote, the need for them to have equal education, to have access to resources, jobs, and employment. The the country wasn't willing to treat African-Americans um, like citizens. Um, so I, I felt like what the church did was they assessed the need of their communities and they stepped in the gap and fulfilled those needs. And I mean, the the results of that is countless. The countless Black-owned institutions, uh, you know, uh, wealth that has been created, families that have um, survived and flourished because of this institution. So, yeah, I definitely think you you take the Black church out of history, you're you're stripping um, a, a lifeline that was for the African American community. I'd have to agree with that. I mean, there are several aspects of the church that impact us, not just on the social justice fronts, um, but also in our day-to-day -day activity. Uh, when you look at what the Black church does to for our community, um, it allows us to have opportunity. It has us, allows us to have financial freedom. It allows us to have a sense of fellowship and belonging. And it also allows us to uh, understand um, how we uh, collectively uh, can benefit um, from collaboration in our society. Uh, and so a lot of that comes from the church. I mean, there's so many aspects of the church that impact our day-to-day -day life. And, and I want to emphasize that there is a broader scope to the question than the, just the Black church. When we screen this film across, across country, um, all people from all races, all cultures were totally uh, uh, impacted by the film because it is relevant to their society as well. So in the Jewish community, uh, the synagogue played a role in the Jewish uh, community and lifestyle. Uh, in the Catholic Church, 
uh, the the priest and the activities that happened in the uh, with the diocese uh, would in fact um, in, impact the Catholic community, uh, and so uh, we found this across multiple uh, uh, denominations that the church played a bigger role uh, in those societies than we felt than we thought, and so this uh, this film specifically looks at the black church and the differences between how our church has had to overcome some difficult uh, racial issues, of course, racial status um, when the church was created, and even overcoming uh, to the point where now the church can uh, effectively uh, impact society in a positive way. To that, to that point, do you feel, I think in the Black community, there's a historic appreciation for the Black church. And the broader American community, do you feel like that same appreciation or knowledge of the black church is there? I'll, I'll start with that one, uh, Danny. I think um, I think that knowledge is taken for granted. I think that that church uh, activity is taken for granted. It's something that is there. It's acknowledged. Uh, but we have felt so comfortable knowing that uh, there's this place uh, that's a soft cushion or place to land when things uh when things get hard socially and so that's where we can look at uh, how we can uh build on the church community that's there and uh, and continue to uh give back and make sure that we have a strong infrastructure for our communities I don't believe that the that the black church is dead. I really appreciated what you all brought out in the film and the people that you interviewed. Can you talk a little bit about why you chose to interview some of the people that you did um, and what were some lessons you all may have learned through some of those conversations? There? Um, I know some of that comes out in the film, but just a little bit behind the scenes as people go and they engage with this film. What were some of the things you all learned um, and why did you choose to interview some of the folks that you did? Yeah, so um, I, I definitely feel like in the process of putting this film together, we were pretty strategic in who we wanted to be a part of it. We wanted to have a diverse spectrum of different people talking about the Black church, um, from academics to gospel artists to uh, activists um, to pastors. We really wanted to approach this in a, a multifaceted perspective. And um, in the process of that, I know myself as a filmmaker and other uh, members of the crew learned so much about the Black church's history that we didn't really know was there. Um, about, you know, some of the things about the church being involved in uh, Black economics and finance and being a launching pad for a lot of Black-owned businesses um, at a time when, you know, you couldn't get a loan to start your business, right? So you might have to go down to the church and someone there or the church itself would give you a loan or, you know, even business bureaus within churches so that we kept the community tight. So if you wanted something fixed at your house, you're going to go and, you know, call brother so-and-so because, you know, he, he's the, the local handyman. So like there's, there's that aspect that I felt like, um, honestly, I can say I can miss 
as uh, from the church, uh, that sense of community that we once had. And not to say that it's not still there. I think uh, those aspects are uh, ones that are really cherished. And I wish we, we had more of today. Yeah, that's good. Because when we think of, I think historically, a lot of people in their mind, it comes back when they think of the black church, they think civil rights movement, right? A lot of times, um, a lot of people's and our collective mind doesn't go back to like the founding of the AME church and Richard Allen and Absalom Jones. Um, but they think the civil rights movement, right? And the, and the necessity of that, especially here in Birmingham, where we're celebrating or commemorating 60 years since the Birmingham movement, uh, the children's march and the bombing of, 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 uh, 16th Street Baptist church. We're asking those questions as well. What does it look like for the church in Birmingham, but the black church to, be relevant for the needs of today as you all have gone into different communities and had these conversations. What are some things that are coming up uh, as some, maybe some place-based things as you're having these conversations in communities? What are some of the things they're saying about how their churches have been very helpful in the present? And what are some ways that they're saying things may need to change moving forward? I can start with that. Uh, I think one of the things that we saw from the increase of the activities of organizations that are uh, really focusing on the social justice aspect of the question, is the Black church dead, or what is relevant to social justice concerns with what's happening in uh, police matters, what's happening with our, in our society on the streets, is we saw that the uh, young people from the church uh, rallied and said, wait a minute, no, the Black church is still here. Uh, we are not uh, going away. And so there has been what I feel has been a very uh, light to medium resurgence of energy in the Black church from younger communities, uh, young, younger people uh, in the communities to say, hey, no, uh, it's not only Black Lives Matter. It is the AME church. It is the Baptist church. It is the uh, Episcopalian church. It is the uh, 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 Kojic church. Uh, these churches are are uh, not s sitting still uh, because the next generation of those individuals who are in the church are not going to be overshadowed by uh, organizations like Black Lives Matter or any other organization that would uh, speak for them um, when they know they can speak for themselves. And RJ, if you want to add to that, I'm sure... Yeah, uh, you might have something to put on top of that. No, I mean, I felt like that was so great. Um, and one of the things that came to my mind is um, I'm aware of a pastor in, in North Carolina who his church is actually offering um, services to help people get their uh, wills written. So um, there's, and I, that's what I love about today. Like what I want this film to do is really start to get churches to start thinking analytically about how they can help uh, people in their local communities. And I love the way Joe put it. It's not just about the Black church, right? It's it's about church as a whole. I think this question kind of answers that question of, does faith still work? Like, is it is it still important? Um, and one of our goals through this film is to keep church relevant. So I know that... Um, you know, that pastor, they're offering wills and legal aid to the people in the local community, which is something that's often overlooked. If you're getting evicted and you know that you can possibly go down to the church, whether they can help you financially or they can help you 
receive the legal consultation that you need in order for you to stay in your home. That's that's the church going to work. That's that's really important. So I'm excited to hear that. Um, they're also, you know, oh, there's always two sides of the coin. So there's the other aspect as far as like, you know, some churches, um, the young people feeling kind of disgruntled and uh, disconnected from the church because a lot of the older church leadership is not allowing them to take the charge and move forward. And I love what Joe said. I uh, admire the churches that do allow their young people to get out front and um, to show up and share their faith and work for the kingdom the way they best see fit. You know, so I really feel like a combination of those two generations is uh, what's going to make the difference. Joe, you amen that really hard when he said, talk about the <laughs> young people in the church being kind of disgruntled. You want to speak on that a little bit? <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, RJ hit on it again, too. I mean, uh, you know, the some of the young people that were protesting uh, in 2020, a little bit in 2021, but mostly 2020, were from the church. Uh, I, I'm going to speak of a personal experience for me. Um, our denomination... Um, was not adamant about going out to protest. I'll just say that. Uh, there wasn't a rally to say, okay, everybody, you know, uh, let's go um, and talk about this and go out and hit the street. Um, but our church did. All right. So individual pastors, individual church members and young people said, okay, well, maybe it doesn't come from the denomination, uh, but it can come from us. And that's what the church is. The church is us. And so we did have youth pastors, we did have young people, and they organized uh, some marches uh, where 20, 30, 40 people met uh, in the, in, on, on the weekend, uh, Saturday afternoon, and went down to the, uh, to, to the courthouse, uh, the state capitol, uh, and the courthouse to say, hey, look, we're going to be a part of this big, bigger march. Went down to the prison and, and participated in the bigger march. And some of those uh, some of those clips are in the movie, but we saw that across the board that as the church members themselves, who are also part of BLM, also part of these other grassroots organizations in the community, were also going back to their church and say, "Hey, look, let's also represent our church in this process and go out uh, and talk about what's happening in our society," and then using that to pivot to bigger, more important programs that are ongoing. So you would have this resurgence or this initial uh, participation in marches and protests, but then that has to go and live someplace. That has to have a home that continues on further than a march or a protest, and that home is the church. So we, we, sense, uh, we saw a, a transition into community programs, food banks, um, prison uh, support ministries, those things that have been there for a long time, and then we uh, saw them come back to life or continued life, uh, so to speak, uh, in the church community. So one of the things I really loved about the documentary, it was very, it was engaging, right? I, I loved, I love, I guess, the cinematography of it, right? I love the music. I love how it opened, like you all. It's, the opening was just beautiful. It really draws you in. Um what would you say to people who are like, I don't know if I want to go and, and, and watch something about the black church. I don't, what would you say to somebody who's a little hesitant? Maybe one. So I'll speak to two groups. 
one, sometimes I engage older black pastors who've been doing this work for a while and they can get kind of offended when you start raising these questions um, because it's almost like an indictment, right, on them or their work or their generation. And then two, um, to that younger, maybe disengaged group who they really care, they, they still care about their faith, um, but they may not love the institution of the church as much because of maybe some hurts or misconceptions. What would you say to those two groups who may be hesitant to engage a film like this? Yeah, I felt like this film uh, has a dual message in a way. It's a um, kind of a, a, a call for the younger generation to re- review the evidence, you know, look at the history of the church um, and see that a lot of the uh, benefits that we can uh, afford today is because individuals of faith stepped out of the four walls of the church and and went to work so that we can have uh, some of the, the rights and the resources that we have today, that I wanted to honor that legacy, honor those who go before us, and at the same time, call church leadership of today to action, you know, um, understanding that, you know, it's 2023, if you were still saying that the most relevant uh, the last time we remember the black church was super impactful and relevant was the civil rights movement. That's a long time ago, you know? So, and every day that goes by, it's just becoming more and more distant. So I think there's a, there's a work for us to do today. Um, and I really want us to start to inspire that next generation in order to get them to do that. So to speak to those two categories, definitely to the younger generation that this film is incredibly informative. It's incredibly engaging. Um, you're going to learn some things that you didn't know. Um, and for the younger, older generation, that this is not a, um, I guess, uh, like a critique or um, any slight to your legacy, but if anything, showing um, you and us, all of us, that the future is is a combination of these two generations working together and creating something for good. I think that's a very important uh, direction that you mentioned is the the two uh, generations. Uh, One of the things we did to try to make sure that the film is engaging, and I have to give credit to director Rafiq, the writer, uh, who did an awesome job of compiling the things you mentioned, the visuals, the storyline, and our great crew that really came together and helped us create some great footage to showcase that. Um, but was uh, going back to your question about who was in the film, uh, and I, I, I want to take an opportunity to mention some of those names, because we have um, uh, Ja'Kalen Carr, who was a Grammy-nominated uh, uh, singer, uh, songwriter, and uh, also we have Dr. Walter Fluker and Dr. Teresa Fry Brown, to name a few. And those individuals um, really can speak to those areas. Uh, Dr. Fry Brown, who is uh, Emory University professor, the preacher, the preacher of the preachers, uh, she really uh, brought a wealth of knowledge to the story. And Walter Fluker from Boston University also. Uh, these academics are bringing not just opinions; they're bringing facts, and that's what we felt is in- engaging to multiple generations. So you have uh, Darlene McCoy, who is a uh, also a well-known singer and radio host. And those, those, those different aspects of the film 
help us reach the multiple generations that are finding the film interesting. So now you have Jacqueline Carr, who's, who relates to a younger generation, but you also have um, uh, Dr. Nicole Brown from Emory University who can speak on the intellectual side to an older audience. Um, I'm sorry, Nicole, uh, uh, you're Phillips. on mute. Nicole Phillips, Phillips, excuse me, Dr. Nicole Phillips. See, I'm getting my, my, uh, <laughs> my, my uh, interviewees uh, mixed up. But uh, for the most part, Dr. Uh, Nicole Phillips, who, who really speaks to many aspects of the story. Uh, Mike Pastor uh, came to see the film. And uh, as a churchgoer, I would hope that uh, I would be able to bring the film to my own home church. <laughs> so, you know, um, it starts at home. We both felt that it would be important to make sure our own individual church communities uh, could understand what where uh, what the film says, and uh, and we got a great response from the seniors. Uh, I'll give you one story, Danny. Uh, we were at a film festival, and uh, a retired pastor and his daughter were in the audience, and both of them uh, came forward. Uh, the fa- the father, who was the senior pastor who had retired, was just blown away by the uh, by the the revelation that these aspects of the church need to be addressed. And then by his daughter, who was just impacted as well by how it speaks to what the church could and would and will be doing. So hopefully um, the film speaks to multiple, multiple generations. Um, I think that's a good place to transition. Um, So where can people, where can people watch this film if they wanted to screen it for their churches, how would they go about doing that? Or if they had groups and they wanted to screen it, like how do people engage with the film at this point? Yeah, so there's a number of ways that uh, individuals can do that. Um, one, um, the film is available nationwide on Vudu, V-U-D-U. Uh, it's a streaming platform that's on most people's smart televisions. You can just type in Let the Church Say and you should be able to uh, rent or buy the film there and watch it. But we also do special screenings at churches, organizations, different venues. Um, and you can contact us, contact us directly on our website, letthechurch.com. And through there, we'll get in contact with you. Um, we'll be bringing the film to different parts of the country. Um, I think our, uh, in two weeks, we're actually going to be in Columbia, Maryland. Uh, after that, we're supposed to be in Detroit, um, we'll be in Baltimore, and then we're going to be in North Carolina mid-October, Charlotte, North Carolina. So if you stay tuned to what we're, you can click on our watch page, it'll show you where we're going to be screening next. You can find information on how to get connected to us so we can screen this at your church. And we'll also, um, we actually fly out um, uh and we'll be there in person. Um, when you, uh, you know, when you, sorry, when you register for a screening, um, we actually can come out and do a Q and A afterwards, where we'll actually uh, kind of moderate a conversation with you and your church, working through some of these conversations, which is always exciting to see. One of the last times we did it in uh, Huntsville, Alabama. I mean, we started talking at like nine thirty. Uh, it was like after midnight, people were still asking questions. So it's always an engaging crowd when we do that. Um, and you can find all that information and we can discuss on um, 
how that happens if you contact us directly on our website. Awesome. You all, I, I recommend one, go to Voodoo, watch it. It is worth watching with you, your family, your friends. Um, recommend it to somebody because it's really good. Um, also, yeah, I mean, get with some churches. If it's your church or a group of churches, but if these are conversations that you're wanting to have in your church um, with other people, like this is a great tool to utilize to do so. Um, it is, is, and I think it's for every generation as well. Um, and it will generate a lot of great dialogue. Uh, it is a great tool, I think, for the church right now to utilize. And so, Joe, Rafiq, thank you so much for putting it together. Uh, last question, and I'll get you all out of here. So whenever we have a guest on on My Black Book Journal, we always ask them a question. Um, we have a segment called Reading Brings Me Joy. And so I ask, what are you reading right now that has brought you joy? But I'll flip it and let you all answer it one or two ways. You can either answer what, what you're reading that's bringing you joy or something you currently read that brought, that brought you joy, or what is something that you've watched that has recently brought you joy? Uh, Rafiq, you want to go or I go oh, first? <laughs> I can go first, man. Uh, man, I, I, I like to read. I like, uh, obviously, love watching movies as well. Um, I, I wish I read more. I like I have a stack of books that I want to finish, but um, I've been recently reading through the Bible. You know, that's that's a really big, um, obviously important thing in my life. Right now, I'm uh, reading through the book of Psalms. And one of the things, uh, the verses that stood out to me, I believe it's Psalm 32, verse 8, that says, uh, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eyes upon you. And for me, as a filmmaker, as an entrepreneur, trying to figure out what I'm trying to do in this world and the impact and the legacy that I want to leave behind. Man, that, that brought me joy just to know that God is guiding my steps, um, that I can continue to make films like this and make an impact in the world through his guidance. And that was one of the things I wanted to mention also before I go, if I'm it's cool with you, Danny, we, we've got a lot more in store. Um, our team, myself, Joe, um, Nancy Howard, who's our executive producer, um, this is a team that we've uh, put together of uh, Christian filmmakers who are dedicated to creating faith-based content and family-friendly content. And uh, we're continuing to move forward. We got some other productions that we want to do. So if anyone wants to connect with us on ideas that they have, projects that they want to uh, film, or even want to support us in our journey, they can get in contact with us at Let the Church Die. Uh, my question. Uh, so I have been working a lot and I, I've got a stack of books, as RJ mentioned, that I'd like to read. Uh, the one that I have been reading, though, that I have uh, been able to squeeze in is a book called The Five Love Languages. That is a book that has given me joy. I've read it before, but I'm in the process of rereading it again, uh, just because I find that uh, something like that is so relevant uh, because it applies to multiple generations. Um, as far as watching goes, I'll have to say I'll watch one of my own movies. I just finished a film <laughs> called Built by Faith. Uh, which is another church film. Uh, and I've been enjoying watching that because uh, it's just released online right now. So uh, that's another film uh, that's uh, that's got we have coming out. Hey, I'm, I'm here for it. I'm here for it. I'm, uh, yeah, I had uh, Sheila Wise wrote on the podcast a couple weeks ago and I asked her that same question. And she she 
hit me up with the Bible as well. It's always a good default for Christians. Oh, yeah, I've been reading the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's, it's dope. I mean, it, it should. Right? It should be bringing us joy as well, nourishing our faith. And so thank you all so much for um, being willing to be on the podcast. We I've so enjoyed this conversation. Again, I said it before. I'll say it again. I really enjoyed the documentary. Um, I do think you all please engage with it. It is a worthy watch. Um, is there anything that you all would like to say before I get you out of here? I take the silence as I'm good. Well, to go. I was no, I was looking at RJ and RJ was looking at me. That's what that was. No, man, I, I think I've given my spiel already. But just like you know, anyone out there who is in, inspired that has a story to tell that wants to get out there and tell it, man, just just do it, man. Like don't let anything hold you back. Um, just have faith and move forward. And um, yeah, I, I think God will bring the people in your life that you need in order to accomplish your goals. So that's all I got to say here. Yeah. Appreciate I'll, you. I'll let go of that. Uh, I want to thank you, Danny, for having us on. Yeah, uh, that's you. how I want to end with that. And um, we hope that the your listening audience enjoys this interview. So thank you for having us on. Appreciate that. Absolutely. Thank you all so much for being on My Black Book Journal. Y'all until next time, we out.